Good afternoon, Americans. My name is Lester Cooper. Today, we have two phenomenal stories. One, we'll be joined by later by President-elect Joe Biden to comment on the current riots. But first, we'll be joined by Katie at the Capitol to speak with rioters that have been currently besieging Washington for the past couple of days now. Katie, how's it going? Thank you, Lester. Thank you. I'm sitting here outside Capitol Hill. A swarm of thousands of Trump supporters have descended excuse, upon... Excuse me? Excuse me, is this MSNBC? Is hello, this sir. MSNBC? Hello, sir. Hello, sir. Sorry, we're in the middle look, of a look, news broadcast. Sorry, clear. sir. We're in the middle of a news broadcast. No, 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 like? no, no, no. I don't need to hear no commentary sir, from some fake news network. Let me be honest. We would not be doing this if it weren't for BLM, okay? We're hurrying out here. We're, we're saving the president. He told us what to do. Let me be clear. We would not be doing this were this not for Black Lives Matter. They did it, and and you and your fake news network have been saying they didn't do it. You know, so we're we're saving the president, and hey, and Darren, yeah, and, hey, Darren, yeah, Darren, who yeah, you talking yeah, to? Yeah, Who are you talking to? Who's this? <laughs> hey, Darren. Yeah, MSNBC. Hey, Patriot, I'm talking to MSNBC you over here. You mean the Hillary Clinton network? Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Nah, for real though, you guys some fuckers. What you did to what you did to Trump back in 2016? That was unforgivable. That damn was right, I, damn that right. That was when I decided I was only going to watch two networks, two networks: yeah, yeah. Fox News and One American News. And even recently, I've seen Fox News saying that Trump didn't win, and I heard that, and I was thinking like, well, that's just that's not possible because. Because he said it on Twitter that 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 it was stolen. Damn right. So damn when right. I heard that, it was it was a bit of a GG. Third, we don't actually um, we're not here to investigate um, you know. You should be investigating the pedophiles. That's what Joe Biden is. Sir, sir. Um, thank you very much for this interview, sir. Um, yeah, we're gonna be heading back now to the studio, MSNBC headquarters in New York. Um, yeah. Thank you. Back to Lester. Th- thank you, Katie. What a uh, insightful conversation on the ground. Uh, we are being told now that President-elect uh, Joe Biden is uh, coming onto the stage. Let's join him. My fellow Americans, welcome to another live stream broad. Live, live stream. Now we're seeing a lot of a lot of a ha- hatred outside the nation's capital, which has been one of the best capitals for democracy in the whole nation. And I find that in moments like these, I like to look up to one of my heroes, Teddador Roosevelt, and what he did with the National Park Service and the public pool system in, in the 50s. And there was this guy, Corn Pop. And, and the thing about... Corn Pop was he understood what made a good public pool. And I've always thought that, you know, a good, here, here's the deal. A good public pool is, is a bit like a good country. And when you have a good chlorine system and good lifeguards like I was back in the day, and it's easy. And what we have right now in this nation's in the in the in the White in the White House is is Donald Trump, and he you know he's saying that he won, but it was actually me, and 
that's that's the deal. So, you know, shout out to all of the everyone who voted. And yeah, keep up the good work. Good stuff. What's up, guys? Welcome to Party Roulette. How are we doing today? That was the longest skit we've ever done. <laughs> went well, went well. Five minutes of pure nonsense. I think it got the message across for I sure. Hope. <laughs> for sure. This song, Five minutes. It was lot, realistic, man. It was there was realistic. a lot of, uh, of really important political commentary within, within the skit. The Joe but, Biden speech was, I actually, you know, I thought it was real. Really? For a second, I vanished. I was miles away in Joe Biden's basement. And I thought, you know, I was really next to him. <laughs> really next to him. I thought this was crazy. You know, Joe Biden was just speaking to me. We do our best. But yeah, guys, welcome back. I believe this is episode 23 of Party Roulette. My name is Felix Fiasi. I'm your host. I'm joined once again by our American correspondent, Elmer Fudd, a.k.a. Yeah. AKA Elmer. <laughs> what are you saying? Exactly, that? exactly. That's the right one. Elmer actually just spent the last or the whole Christmas period in the United States. It's crazy and, uh, time, yeah. We haven't spoken that much about what the situation was like stateside, but I'm very intrigued, and I'm sure our listeners will be intrigued as well to, yeah, find out more about it. Yeah, I mean, it was quite a, quiet in my uh, rural suburban area with uh, far away from D.C., but we... Uh, you were in suburban New York, right? Suburban New York, exactly. Yeah. But uh, we had just gotten to TV, and, you know, I was... On Twitter, scrolling, that's how you do if you're a well-informed person. First ever TV in the whole club. Yeah, house first that's ever a bit, TV. It's yeah. a bit working class, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was a bit, whoa, like, I was a bit surprised, but... Throw away the books. Throw away the books, exactly. Don't exactly. But, yeah, I mean, Twitter's the... Compared to the TV, actually, Twitter's more relatively informed, so I don't really think the TV is the best <laughs> place to go for the for the news, but anyways, I saw it, and I thought, oh, this is kind of quite a big thing, where, like, you know, you were seeing the certificate of the votes, and then people were storming in. So I went downstairs. My brother was doing yoga naked well, in his underwear in the living room and the TV's in the living room. So I was like, oh, oh, yo, put on the news, put on the news. But it's not connected to any cable news. So we had to look it up on an HDMI cable with mm -hmm, the computer mm -hmm, and look mm -hmm. up ABC News. Of course, of course, yeah. And we put it on and, you know, we could see it. We could we could see the rioters moving into the uh, into the Capitol building. And I bet yeah. it was a very, because uh, for me when I was watching it, I've... I've sort of undergone a process of like detachment from politics in general. Like I'm still very interested. I'm very, um, yeah, still trying to follow it, keep up with everything that's going on. But emotionally, I'm detached from it. But if somebody, I was thinking about your position of being in America, being an American citizen and seeing your seat of, of power, the seat of democracy in the country being attacked like that, it must have been quite emotive. Yeah, I mean, it's surreal. Right. But I think it's for a lot of things. I think the big big thing is that people have almost thought that politics is a bit theatrical at this point. I mean, you, you read, you know, the news or you look at CNN, it almost seems like a big, long act. Right. So there's this constant perpetual fight. And then you see, you know, these people crashing into the building and you're just like, oh, this is just, again, part of the movie. You know, this is this is just a long winded TV show that just yeah, keeps yeah, playing the season, through the season finale. Exactly. Of America. Exactly. <laughs> now we have to wait a couple of months to yeah, see what the yeah. new season is going to be like. And let's hope it's not game of Thrones or anything like that. Nah, it's nah. fucking awful. But you know, that was a really, uh, I would say surreal moment. My mom didn't even care at that point. She's like, Oh, this is awful. And she just left to like yeah. draw or something. I was like kind that. of like, in that. I was in that mindset where I was like, nothing can surprise me, but this is like, it's giving me a rough, my money. I was, like, I wasn't expecting this. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, are you, because some people are on the camp, which is like, okay, you know, relative to the amount of publicity that this has gotten, it's really not that big of a deal. Whereas other people are like, this is one of the biggest things that's happened. I mean, that's clearly the position of New York Times, for instance. Like, I mean, this is what I was saying to you before we start recording of how um, how much it manages to to take a hold of the media cycle for like a week. Yeah, and that's how reverberations yeah. now. Like, what well, well, when did it happen? Like nine days ago? Yeah, Ten days like ago? That, yeah. And like, we're talking about it as if it's fresh news. Like, that was... We didn't say what we were going to talk about in this podcast, but it was assumed it was like this has this is the yeah. main story. Like that's exactly. what the skits about. That's what everything's about. And it's like how it takes a hold of that. I really don't like that. I really don't like how so much of what we care about is is very constructed and is very driven by a, by a media frenzy and and how a narrative can just sort of appear. And because of how social media works, we're all instead of constructing that narrative willingly instead of like engaging with it as as humans have done throughout history which is a much more like you know thoughtful process that's based around conversation and it's based around like you know experiencing it in real life it's now completely a digital experience where people get their information they get their perspective and opinion directly from like somebody they know yep and it's like it's it just feels a lot more narrow and like if you don't accept this as like like some like things get shared. There was a few images that became the poster boys of this event, and it's like if you don't agree with the narrative that is being pushed by these few posts, then you're not accepted. Like it became a a lot of people were saying like, oh, this is like a this is a coup. These guys are white supremacists. Like this whole narrative develops. I'm like, what? Like they're not white supremacists. Yeah, yeah, like they're yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. Like it'd be like that's like calling the Black Lives Matter people communists. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah, and you yeah. wouldn't do that. And people yeah. who would do that, you'd be like, oh, that's just not true. Like these are regular yeah. people. Like these are regular people as well. And you might disagree. I agree, hundred percent. You might yeah. think that they're like terrible people and they're very stupid, but these are still people. And like the dehumanizing aspect, I found to be disgusting, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, was yeah, really yeah, like yeah. I couldn't be more against these people ideologically, in terms of everything they believe in, but for them to just like it almost felt like people were advocating for violence. And there was like that girl who died. There was the girl who died who in, in the attack and people were like, good riddance, one less fascist. Yeah, yeah. And it's dude. like, yeah, yeah. however can you get annoyed about like, or be, be consistent in your beliefs here when it's like, when it's somebody on your team who dies fighting for left-wing ideals or against racism. And when that person dies, imagine, imagine if like, if somebody against you said, ah, good riddance, you know? yeah don't like him it's like it's just it's so tribalist and it it like it really it really got to me and just how how sloppy everybody is with uh with the stuff they're sharing with the with the with the narratives that they're pushing forward it really it really got to me a little bit i think i think the of course there's a different i mean those are two different things the black lives matter riots and and the capital rights which i'm sure you'll agree with but there's also a weird analogy that can be drawn that should be drawn which is Let's say that there was a protester or rioter at, you know, uh, these Black Lives Matter protests that was motivated by a false idea, right? That they they were under the, like, not to say that prejudice doesn't exist in the United States and isn't a more significant hurdle for African Americans, but they really believe that the United States is the most racist country in the world. They had a very, I would say, perverted conception of the actual extent of deaths uh, among minority populations in the United States and they had these kind of statistics that weren't even backed up by any evidence that showed really high counts where it was 
undebatable to the United States is an extremely discriminatory country, right? Yeah. If they go into those protests, you know, you can have a certain level of nuance with the motivations behind them. Sure. Okay. Maybe their statistics weren't, their motivations aren't completely rational, but you know, they have a good cause. If you compare that now to the Trump uh, protests is what we can call them, I guess, well, Capitol Hill protests, there's people there that are also motivated, you know, motivated in a sense of good cause, right? And good sounds weird, but they have the wrong premise to start from. Their premise is on the belief that the election is stolen, that it's fraudulent, uh, that, you know, the statistics show irregularities in all the voting things. And if that is the premise you're starting from, you could argue that these people are well-intentioned, right? If you really do think that, you know, it's like, but we don't approach that with the same level of nuance at all, right? Which no. does show political bias. And of course it's different because you're storming the government building as opposed to, you know, uh, you know, I would say, eh, actually, I heard an interesting point, which was like, okay, if you think the the protests that happened over the summer are much less worse than what happened at the Capitol, it's a bit weird, right? Because a lot of these protests, like in Minneapolis, were local, right? So you're destroying businesses of local industry that maybe employ people that you're your neighbors and stuff like that, whereas the Capitol is kind of, you know, a people's building, so to speak. And what they yeah. were actually arguing the opposite. It felt like more of an attack. That's why it was 100%. such a moment. And it was why it was, uh, you know, everybody in the world was was watching the TV at the same moment. It was like, it was one of those moments. It was like everybody, well, the group chats I was in was like, are you fucking, are you yeah. seeing this? Are you seeing this? Like, this is one of those moments. And it's like, it's, you know, they... In some ways, man, I wish like I wish the protesters for the things that I agree with, like Black Lives Matter and and uh, you know other left wing ideas, you know the whole Bernie Sanders movement. I wish they were a bit more aggressive. I wish they were a bit more fucking tactful. And it was like you know say what, what you, you want about about these protesters. Like they 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 got what they wanted. They wanted that media coverage. They wanted everybody in the world to hear what they were saying and to understand the struggle that they're going through at this moment regardless of whether or not you agree with it or you yeah you know like it's you know it's patently incorrect what these people believe that they've been lied to they've been they've been uh yeah just brainwashed by trump and and one american news and other other very nefarious actors throughout all of this but you know they they did the business man they got up there and they were like fuck you yeah man. we're taking hold and it's like I also didn't like the narrative of um, that like there was no resistance to it. Of like, oh, if this if 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 this was imagine if this was black people, there'd yeah, be like yeah, more yeah, deaths. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, okay, yeah, sh true, but like, what's your point? It's like, are you saying that these people should should be killed? Because that's the logical conclusion. And it's like, you know, like, well, I mean, that's I, not even necessarily. No woman has died in the summer riots and the protests. There were deaths, for instance, between civilians, right? So, yeah. Rittenhouse versus. Uh, uh, versus the wrong way to put it. And there, was the, one in, there was the one in Portland as well. Where the but there was died. no police officers that actually killed protesters during the summer. You can fact check me on that. Really? In this case, I didn't know that. Yes, right. Well, you can argue, of course, that the protests were motivated by police officers shooting unarmed African Americans. That's a that's a fair point to yeah, say. But, but it's a within the yeah. actual protests, no. I mean, like, and there's an argument which is the preparation aspect, right? Which I think. I don't have enough. I don't think anyone has enough they evidence knew about to make it that and call. Didn't, and didn't, yeah, yeah stop the, it. the amount of national guards that were called prior to this. But again, I don't really think because there's a video that's like jarring, which is the of a of an African American police officer trying to fend uh, Trump supporters from getting into the Capitol building, and to say that like the outcome of him not being able to defend himself against those rioters is in part due to 
incorrect double standards that are being put against, for instance, black protesters versus white protesters is also doing a bit of a disservice to the people that were there, the Capitol Police that were just Absolutely. not Absolutely. prepared. Like yeah, it could yeah. just be simply and, and also like it's 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 a case of um you know, this is what I was saying about about how our narrative is completely outside of our control these days. Yep. And like people aren't critical enough of what they read online and like the stuff that we saw of it, even like I was watching it on CNN and I kept on seeing the same few videos over and over again because CNN know what's going to keep people glued, what's going to get the new people yeah, who are clicking yeah. on every single second, the thousands of people, who potentially millions of people who are watching CNN globally at that point. They know exactly what people want to see. They want to see the video of the window breaking. Yeah. They want to see the video of the of the scaffolding, the window cleaning thing it's falling down. It's an entertainment. An entertainment man. It's the twenty four hour news cycle, and like they're not showing the videos of like you know the many many riot police that were there trying to defend it because that doesn't fit in with the narrative. The narrative is like, oh my god, democracy is being attacked, and if you're showing it being defended or like the actual fight that was going on doesn't really fit with it it's not as much of like a buzz thing you know you want to see the pictures of the rioters inside that's that's fucking yeah. like wow you know a riot riot is a riot is a riot as people see riots all the time but what is truly unique is these rioters actually getting inside and you know causing havoc in there yeah yeah definitely, definitely. um but yeah this is what I was, I was saying about social media is it's just it feels like something where especially with instagram because i've been using it a fair amount over the last two weeks i've been doing a lot of the slim radio stuff on there and I just see so much like this like format which they've cultivated of like people learning, like really forming their opinions based around posts, basing around these like tiny little squares, you know, and just like random tidbits of information which somebody writes out. And it's like, I don't agree with so much of the mainstream media coverage that we see from like CNN, New York Times. If talking British stuff is like the Evening Standard, Daily Mail. I disagree. Fox with News all. for that matter as well. Fox News, all of these. Yeah. I fucking hate all of these people. But at least there, there is like some semblance of accountability and some semblance of like there are people here who do this professionally. And whether or not you agree with them and their political leanings, you think they're corrupt, whatever, at least you know like what you're getting into and you know where this is coming from and you know that this is like a team of people who are working on this and there's like some semblance of journalistic integrity behind it. You know, I don't fucking like Fox, but like at least I know what I'm getting from them. I'm getting a really, really biased right-wing news perspective. This is an interesting argument. And I feel yeah. like with so much on Instagram, it's just random people who have like figured out the game, who have like, you know, managed to work out, carve out an audience within this format on this platform. And they, they, they don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. They'll just write something, put it in a nice format. And all of a sudden that's, that's the discourse. And it's like, where the fuck did that come from? Yeah. How, how like, oh, we're now going to call all these people white supremacists. Like that's just like patently incorrect. Just because you see like a, a Southern cross or you see somebody wearing like a shirt that says, fuck the Jews. It doesn't mean that all of these people, everybody who's supporting Trump is a racist. It doesn't mean yeah. that everybody who... That's more fuel to the fire as well. And I feel like it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a testament to how powerful this narrative is and how the panopticon of social media works nowadays that I feel scared saying this stuff and like saying, oh, Trump supporters aren't necessarily racist. And like that is like a soundbite. I'm yeah, saying it's yeah, a yeah. podcast, which is going out to people. Like it feels like I'm gonna, you know, I might suffer some consequences for this somehow. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, it's I like it. I, I, I hate that. It's like people should be 
able to to say what they want to say about these things and add some nuance to the discussion and be like, you know what, like like what you're saying of like, you know, I don't see why this Capitol Hill attack was framed as like a, I suppose in some ways it was, that's, that's kind of the gray area of it. It's like, it was a riot, but then it was also like a terrorist attack yeah, in some ways. And it was like things, a bit yeah. of a coup as well. And it's like, it's been very hard to categorize this. And that's why I'm saying, I think it was such such an excellent breeding ground for misinterpretation and confusion on social media was because it was like just perfect for capturing um, panic and, and yeah, attention of people. But then it was hard to understand what it was and where it came from, you know? Yeah. It's almost because you would think that something, okay. So this is a longer discussion, but you were touching upon this before, which is like, to a certain extent, there's more integrity to something like MSNBC and Fox News because at least you know that what you're going to get is relatively biased. You know, you, yeah. you understand, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure, there's agenda setting, but you understand what the agenda is coming from. And you'd hope that Instagram, the social media thing that you're talking about, is more uh, with the sliding pictures that it actually leaves more room for the facts to be laid out and then people can come up with their own interpretations. But the problem is, is that social media is just as responsible for agenda setting or setting what the different arguments are as a lot of these cable news networks, right? So, um, like, I mean, the ideal scenario is people are presented with the exact facts of how the protests laid out, so how many people were protesters, how many actually went into the Capitol building, what the intention of some of those Capitol rioters were in that went into the building, uh, how many just came in because they thought it was fraudulent, those that came in because they thought it was just fun, people were going in. Those who came like, in because they, they hate black people, whatever. Exactly, maybe exactly. There's, there's a multitude of reasons that played into exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And if you know that, then hopefully you would think that a, a person can see those facts laid out on the table, and then they can decide for themselves how they interpret those, and then with discussion yeah. with other people, hopefully you get to a good conclusion. But unfortunately, that's not the case. I mean, I think there's a... Yeah. I, I was thinking of this as well. Like, I got into heated discussions with my family over this topic because it was like, there's a big, because I, I do want to talk about the impeachment actually with you very soon. But like, I remember I was yeah. watching with my brother and then I've always been kind of a contrarian on the Trump situation, which is not great. Like I, I hate the guy. Yeah, me too, not like me the guy. too. But, it's, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's this like, it's the fucking like hatred for this man, which I don't, I don't really understand because, and I feel like from both me and me, it comes from a place of like, we're aware of what's happening in politics as a whole. So we see it and we know like, all right, like somebody, like so many people who I've met here, and I think it's also like a, con a consequence of us living within this context of a university in an international city in Amsterdam, um, where people are very left wing and we're not as left wing as most people. I still consider myself yeah, left wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. consider yourself more of a centrist, but within like, you know, you know, all things being said, in like an American context, you're left wing. Yeah, exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's very dependent on where you are. But the fact that somebody like can like despise the shit out of Trump, but not know who Mitch McConnell is. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the real bad guy. And you don't see that. You don't see that he's the reason that he, you know, there's so much money in politics and this whole system of corruption is is perpetrated. It's it's him and his fucking gang. Like that's that's the real enemy here. Trump is just a fucking symbol. You know, and that's that's like I think where the, what you're saying about being a contrarian comes from. But yeah, sorry for interjecting. Karen. No, 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 no. It's I, I completely I completely agree with you. It's a bit like because I, I also think what is happening because the again you you have to treat this as a not to like do a separation. It's like oh we're much more informed and all that stuff. But you have to understand what these 
companies are trying to do at least, which is try to capture a significant amount of the audience. And it's better to do that if you create a story, make it highly polarized, yeah. characters are well known, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and keep the fear up because that drives people to go to your new site continuously to read because you want to drive a consumer base. That's all you really want to do as a news company. Of course, there's like journalistic integrity and all that stuff, but you can't take those incentives away from the actual companies. Um, but on the topic of Trump, which I think is what people that are more informed about about the news do not see Trump as kind of a minuscule part of the problem, right? Because for a long time, the entire Democratic Party, and I, I would say people on the left, but also certain people that are conservative, have been railing on the idea of orange man bad, right? Just like yeah, always yeah, yeah, rail yeah, exactly. on Trump for that case, which of course he is a bad guy, but you have to understand that the news companies feed into him as well. This is a standard thing that they give him way more power. It's the same thing with AOC, right? AOC, by all accounts, is not a good legislator compared to the other members in the squad, right? She's not as good as Ayanna Presley. She doesn't get as many laws passed. People don't really want to work at her. What is she good at? Being Speaking. a phenomenal entertainer and getting the attention on her. It's the same thing with Trump. And then AOC gets treated as an agenda setter and the like the speaker for the, the Democratic champion. platform. The champion. Exactly. And it's the same thing with Ted Cruz, you know? It's like these people... They're, they're not actually good policymakers. They're phenomenal entertainers. Yeah. And that is a significant... And they clout, yeah. they also just... They, they kind of carve out like a lane for themselves. Yes. That's the key thing of like... That's what Boris Johnson did in England as well. It's like he, yeah, yeah, yeah. he yeah. carved out a lane as like, okay, I am the new wave conservative protectionist Tory. Doesn't really exist yet. You know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a hold of exactly. that and I'm going to make it kind of cool and new and... You know, a, a bit like Nigel Farage, but also still like classically Tory. So you can, you know, you don't have to feel too, uh, yeah, too racist. Yeah. You know, I'm still, I'm still like a classical guy. Like he did a very good job of carving that out. And I think a lot of people are gonna, in American politics in the years to come, are gonna kind of copy that model of like we need to walk the line between fake populist and establishment conservative. And you know that that fusion, I think, is uh, is gonna be very consequential in the coming decades in Western countries. And, uh, yeah, I'd expect so. I'd expect a more because uh, right wing populists are more charismatic in Europe than in the United yeah, States. Yeah. And I'm wondering when that's going to happen, where you see a very, you know, I think Ted Cruz was vying for that part a little bit, but like, oh, definitely, you, like yeah. a con charismatic right wing populist, you know, to come in the United States. Because Trump, I, I think a lot of people like Trump because of how easily it's how easy it is to tell that he's a fallible person, you know. Like, I think, I th yeah, f f fallible, fallible, yeah. yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And that's a uh, I think a that's lot of the his supporters, man, absolutely. Yeah. Like that's the thing. He he's a real person. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, a yeah. real fucking person, and that is like it's pretty rare in U.S. Yeah, politics. Yeah, yeah. That's why he beat Hillary. That's why he won the Republican primary in 2016. Is because he was himself. You know exactly. Yeah, and that is powerful shit. And people have like, I think in the era of um of globalization, there was a lot of a lot of pretending. Ever since. Really, ever since World War Two, I think Western politicians have gone down this route of, okay, we need to defeat the Soviet Union. So to defeat the Soviet Union, we need to all act like we're friends, yeah? And then you get the whole globalized world yeah. order. You get NATO. You get you know world trade on a scale we've never seen. You get economic growth, population growth, just fucking skyrocketed in every possible way. But that was all based on this idea of like, okay, we're going to play nice. Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. Even though yeah, like, okay, yeah. we all have our own interests as nation states. We all have our own interests as parties within those nation states. We're all going to like have a lot of pretense around politics because it's necessary to maintain the world order. And people are going to stop caring about that. And Trump was indicative of it. And Trump was kind of the, 
the straw that broke the camel's back, I think, for all of this. And the globalized world and him stepping away from trade with China, stepping away from commitment to NATO, all of these things are indicative of, of, of what's going to happen in the years to come. And there's going to be so many more politicians around the world who take the Trump route. Like, it's it's already become, like, a, a term, like, Trumpian. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, he, yeah, for sure. He fucking, he, he started it. Well, not started it, but he, you know, took it took it global, I think. And um, no, a lot d- of other leaders definitely. are kind of taking their cues from him nowadays. And I, I heard a funny analogy, which I think, did you have, um like, student board elections at your school when you were younger, like, in mm, public school? No, we didn't. It was quite an American thing to have. I, g- I guess it is quite an... Uh, because we, we would have this thing where it's like... It was decided by our teachers. It was know, decided like, by teachers. Yeah, we had like head boy, my friend Adam Shout, and uh, yeah, and then like deputy heads and all this, and there was like prefects, but it was all very much decided by teachers. So you didn't you didn't elect at all? I think that's a bit different. Did we? Though. No. Did we elect? I'm pretty sure we didn't. If we did, it wasn't a big thing at least. Uh, it's... Because it's quite a big thing, at least in like middle school, for instance, high school, because people will put posters of the kid. Yeah, yeah. It's like applying, but like... The interesting analogy was like if you just compare the United States to like a, you know, like a high school or a middle school, right? And all these kids are applying to be like, you know, the student body president, right? And they do their speeches one day. And then there's this one fat kid that sucks at school, does not get good grades, and is a total asshole. And all the other students have their perfected speeches and they, you know, they're good students, they get good grades. But you have that one guy that goes, screw all of this, you know, just yelling at it. Like, People just kind of want to vote because it's yeah, funny. Exactly. You know? like, yeah, it's yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. like, I want to see what happens. Like, you know, it's like, a, it's a funny, interesting idea to see what happens when you elect that guy uh, to office, which I think is like the, you know, that's a, and it's a weird thing because the people that are supposed to write about it love it at the same time. But, you know, I think that maybe puts it a bit more in perspective, but. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's not like, I think that's sort of like another thing about how the media cycle is not is really outside of our control. And um, like what you're saying about how it, it theoretically puts power back in the hands of the people. But with regards to, I think especially with, with Facebook and Twitter, to a, so yeah, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, to a lesser extent with YouTube, because you tend yeah, to get yeah, much yeah. more long-form content, which informs you. Uh, the only reason I know so much about politics is because I follow a bunch of different YouTubers. who are all, you know left-wing bias but they they uh they acknowledge that they have that you know on their fucking brand everything but they do it professionally and these guys are journalists yep and they take it very very seriously their job even though you know it's just on youtube and they work for themselves from home it's still a real thing and people on instagram who are making posts the vast majority of them people are not this is not their thing they're all of a sudden just you know, engaged because they can be yep. because it's yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's a it's a trend, and I think that's that's the key difference is that people nowadays think that because they can do it and because it's so easy to share it and it's so easy to consume bite sized pieces of information about a topic which is really really complicated and nuanced and it takes fucking a long time to get into it that then they're able to to engage with a narrative and the discourse when actually it's being it's being constructed outside of your control. And I, this also brings me on to what I wanted to talk about, uh, Trump being banned from Twitter. Yeah, man. You know, and all of that is like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, these places are the new marketplace of ideas. So even though I criticize like, you know, the, uh, the format of Instagram and how it makes people feel like they're political activists 
when actually they're just regurgitating a narrative which somebody else has produced, which is not necessarily based on anything, could yes, just be based yeah, yeah. on their identity, their biases, whatever, and there's no accountability anywhere. Um, I still love it. I'm still like, fuck yeah, like, let's have this. Let's have this marketplace of ideas that is like really accessible and we can figure out stuff together and talk about it. And even if it does get a bit of a panopticon and you feel scared saying certain things, fuck it. Like you face the flack that you talk out and it's like with Trump being banned from Twitter, I was like, man, like crazy, right? Didn't the Filipino president like call for the murder of Muslims on Twitter and nothing happened? It's a lot, man. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. You it's know, a Trump's like, argument. And Trump's like, ah, oh, go home. That wasn't strong enough. That no. wasn't, you need to concede. It's like, he doesn't have to fucking do anything, man. He's yeah. on Twitter. Like, you know, you can not like it. You can whatever. You can kick him out of the White House. You can arrest him. But you can't kick him off Twitter for that, man. That's a, that's a human right right there. It's like. Well, it gives, it gives there's more of a rational. Look, if, you're, if there's one thing to say, okay, Trump shouldn't have been removed. And there's an argument that could be happening about it because Trump has violated Twitter's terms and conditions. However, if you. Has employ, he? Though? There's an argument that he has a couple of times. It's like, a bit of a. And it's also a private company. However, you are That's right. That's the thing, though. You are right. So if you're a conservative, you should support that standard as well for, you know, free market, private corporations can do what they want. However, if you are happy with Trump's removal of Twitter, you should also support the removal of the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah. You should be in uh, removal of terrorist organizations in the Middle East that are literally recruiting people via these online platforms. If you're not railing on those kind of things day to day, then your consistency is wrong. You're not applying your standards yeah. universally. Like... That is a, that's a serious problem. And, and Twitter has bitten off a lot more than it can chew, I think, in that case. Absolutely. Because how, how are you going to control, like, the CCP or, like, even slight non-democratic, like, Rwanda is kind of a paternalistic government. So is Singapore. You know, are you going to get those? That's more authoritarian than Trump. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah? It's like, just, it's, it's so, so fucking inconsistent. And that's what really gets me. That's the scary part of, like, and seeing how much people accept it. And that's the, th that's another thing of, like, um, our head of journalism, Slim Radio, Michaela, she she has an account called Spaghetti Politics where she talks about politics all on Instagram. Um, I know I've been railing against Instagram politics, but she does a very good job on there. And she asked a question to her audience of like a screenshot of Trump's ban from Twitter. And uh, it was like, do you agree with this? And she has 185,000 followers and 90% of the people who responded said yes. Yeah. And, yeah, and then she came out the next slide and she was like, nah, like this is a win for Trump, man. Like this is exactly what he wanted. Like, well, not exactly what he wanted, but like you can't, you can't ban him. Like this is just. You can rail on a deep state. You know, you can use that argument. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just like. What about Parler, by the way? What do you think about. The new, the new platform. Like, well, the, the right wing platform that got removed off the app store. Right? I, I mean, the thing about, I, I think this was a, an interesting dimension to, to, uh, to all of it. I thought was that them removing him from Twitter in terms of like short-term strategy and nerfing the movement of, uh, of his base and, you know, the potential violence that they can cause. I think it was a good, a good choice in that sense of like, you know, they can go to parlor, but how, like he can tell people to go to parlor, but what percentage of his followers will actually do that? Maybe two thirds or three quarters. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then when they're there, it's like, they're just there to hear stuff from Trump and it doesn't have the same legitimacy. It's like, okay, 
you know, you can be a hardcore Trump fan and you sign up for Parler and you've basically just gone on there, followed Trump, and it's just like mainlining Trump. And like, that's not what these people want. These are human beings who like want to exist within a format and a platform which is real, which is not just like, Daddy Trump, like that's how we yeah, like yeah, to characterize yeah, yeah, them, yeah, but yeah. that's not true. These are real yeah, people who have more. real beliefs and they follow other people on Twitter as well. It's not just Trump, it's other right wing people, it's their friends, whatever. So when they have to go and like download Parler and log in just to see, like, oh, okay, Trump, Trump said this, oh, cool. Like eventually, you know, it might be two thirds at first, in two months, it'll be a third. And yeah. that's. That's why I think, you know, strategy-wise, nerfing his movement, good move, but principled-wise, nah, nah, can't be done, can't be done. It's like, I don't know if that's a, like, in a principled argument, someone could say, yes, you know, Trump should be kicked off of Twitter, even though, you know, there's a number of arguments about the application of that principle, but I'm not sure there's an actual pragmatic argument in favor of it. You know, like, what is, what is the goal, right? You want to promote unity in a country like the United States. You want to reduce polarization. You want to make people get yeah. along more. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The question is, how do you get to that point in the smallest amount of time without, like, you know, violating people's rights, so to speak, right? Mm. Like, and I don't know if there is a pragmatic argument for that. Like, to to a certain extent, doesn't it just fuel people that Trump is now removed off of Twitter? Like, Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. there should be an argument for those people avidly against Trump should be skeptical and also concerned about what the implications for moving him off of Twitter should yeah. be. I think that's an un, that's a perfectly reasonable uh, solution. Let's um. I want to ask you about the impeachment. Yes, yes. I was. Uh, you think I he was, should be uh, removed? Um. I don't think that he should be removed. Um. This is another thing from like a principal point of view. I suppose, uh, but it's like I I didn't actually quite. It'd be good if like we explain it for listeners as well because, um, yeah, the House has moved for articles of impeachment. They confirmed the vote. What was it like three days ago? Yeah, he got impeached a second time. He yeah. got impeached by the House, but of course, the impeachment means nothing unless the Senate confirms it. It needs a two thirds majority in the Senate, and then yep. he is no longer president. He is impeached, of course, with Mitch McConnell in the Senate. Um, it's very, very unlikely because he needs 17 Republicans to vote um, to impeach. But yeah, I was um, I wanted to ask, what is it exactly that they're basing the impeachment off? Like, where is it? Well, like, what In, inciting inciting violence? Inciting violence, yeah. and that's an impeachable offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, but the argument is that you have to, like, the Dutch word, Dutch expression is like "ant fucking the details." Like, you, it's about the question of the the rhetoric that he used, which incited the riot, and that's a like. That's a difficult topic because some people argue that it was within the confines of freedom of speech. Is this in the Constitution? uh, Well, I mean, if you're inciting, you can't incite violence against someone. Mm. That that's not constitutionally allowed. And the question is, how much can someone incite? There's been cases, for instance, right, where someone has said, I forget, this is like in the 1960s, where someone goes, like, you know, if you don't do what we want, we'll go to the streets again, right? And you're pushing for a movement in the question, is that technically inciting violence if the going to the street associates with actual violent activity? These things are kind of nuanced. And, and there's arguments for both sides. There's a reason why Republicans are in favor of impeaching and now indicting Trump because, I mean, he said, they stole this election from us. We're going to go to the Capitol and we're going to fight uh, for us, you know, and his son said it as well. And this is why you have a court of law, right? You dispute these things. 
And there is an argument to be said that he did incite. I, I personally think he did. Uh, and yeah. there's people that don't. I, I do think he incited a violent. Uh, I'm not too sure. Yeah. I, I haven't I haven't looked into um, that aspect of it enough to really comment with authority. But in terms of uh, in terms of the strategy behind it as well, I would definitely say no. I'd say it's fucking pointless. It's 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 a symbolic move. It reminds me of uh, they can bar him from office though. I think that's the bigger. But that's event. but that's different. That's that's a whole different thing because, like, like what I was saying. I think strategically impeaching him is a terrible move because. It's like in uh, in the first Star Wars film, A New Hope, Episode Four, when Obi Wan Kenobi was like to Darth Vader, "If you strike me down, I will become more yeah, powerful yeah, yeah. than you can possibly imagine." Man, if Trump gets struck down now, imagine, imagine how much he would be hurt. Because this is a man we forget who we're dealing with here. We forget that Trump is again a real person. We forget that his supporters are real people with real feelings, who are pissed off enough, who are upset enough to go and storm the fucking Capitol, like. You don't you don't really want to antagonize these people anymore. And like, you know, it's it's the same as like you know, it's like the Treaty of Versailles logic as well of like, oh yeah, let's fuck the Germans. Even though the Germans have just lost. And you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, let's yeah, punish yeah. them, let's give them the war guilt. It, it feels like the war guilt clause. It's like, why would you do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're and saying. And like, yeah. but then barring him from office, I a hundred percent agree with that. And I don't think there's been um I think enough. they might be able to do that. No, they're easy, and it's and it's it's a simple majority as well, you know. Yeah, I think they, in the House yeah. and the Senate, it's a simple majority, and that solves both problems because that then means that he can't run in twenty twenty four, and it means he can see out his, his his term. You know, they can cry about it, whatever they want, but they're not gonna have that little fucking that that like pressure point of 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 emotion around like fuck, like not only were was the election stolen, but he was impeached for telling the truth. That's a big deal, man. And Trump would not, like, he would never get over that. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just let him go, man. Let it go. Like, stop beefing him. Stop beefing these people. Like, they're going to go away sooner or later. And it's like, I I don't, and that's also what annoyed me with, like, with, uh, yeah, with what AOC said about, you know, what happened after, after the Capitol, where she was, you know, went on Instagram, all the social media, and she was like, you know, furious. I'm like, we need to fight. We need to do this and do that, and do this and do that. And I was just, this is all also in the context of the force the vote stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which I wanted to to tell you about. And this is something which has been going on within the Democratic Party in the last three or four weeks. It was brought up by uh, left wing talk show host Jimmy Dore. You know Jimmy Dore? He's no, really he's good. Going, yeah. He used to be a stand up comedian. Well, he still is a stand up comedian, but he's gone more into politics now. Um, kind of like a George Carlton sort of vibe, like very okay, angry. Okay, okay. You know, George Carlton nowadays wouldn't have flown. Same thing as Jimmy Dore nowadays. He brought up this this thing about forcing a floor vote for Medicare for all. Because technically speaking, there's all these co-sponsors in the House for Medicare for all. Like Kamala Harris, for example. She was yeah, the yeah, first yeah. co-sponsor of the Medicare for all bill, which would, of course, give Americans um, public health care, which is a... You know the number one issue for most Americans and uh, most Americans at the moment. So Jimmy Dore came on his show and he has this big platform, big audience, and he said, "Yo, why don't we just have a floor vote on Medicare for all?" And because Nancy Pelosi was up for for re-election as Speaker of the House, the leader of the House, effectively, um, he said, "All right, this is the perfect time to push her on this because she, as the leader of the House, can call for a floor vote on Medicare for all." And then at least if you have a floor vote, 
you're then able to tell, okay, who actually supports this and who yeah, doesn't? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of these co-sponsors actually would vote for it? Because co-sponsoring means nothing until you actually, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, put your reputation, put your career as a politician on the line in the form of a vote. Like that's 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 what you do within these systems. And he started calling for it, like vehemently making it his whole fucking thing for, for a few weeks. And he was saying, all right, because of how narrow the majority is in the House and how Republicans aren't going to vote for Nancy Pelosi, all the Democrats, all these progressive Democrats need to do, the Justice Democrats, the squad, there only needs to be four of them yeah, to withhold yeah, yeah, their yeah. vote. And then Pelosi isn't confirmed. And then there's like a, they have to either get somebody new or she has to concede and say, I will do a Medicare for all vote. And Jimmy Dore was pushing this, pushing this, pushing this, pushing this. He got loads of other left-wing pundits on board with him, loads of people against him because they were like, he's toxic. The same kind of shit they said against Bernie with the Bernie bros, like, oh, this is just men being aggressive. That's the doorbell, we have to leave in five minutes. Um, yeah, just so much, like, vitriol against yeah, this yeah, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, he's just fighting. He's actually trying to fight establishment Democrats. And AOC and the rest of the squad, they came out like, yeah, right now, like, it's not, like, strategically, like, ah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. because they're terrified of yeah, Pelosi. Yeah, yeah, for sure, That's for the sure. whole ball game. They know they've had, they've had the boot on them before in the past couple of years of, like, okay, I'm not going to fuck with her. She, she's a smart woman. We've discussed it before on the podcast. Yeah. Like, she's not to be fucked with. No, she's not. And they know that. And they're terrified of her because they know that potentially she could end their careers. You know, and that's just they've got into this like mindset of of all right, we need to cater to the establishment rather than fight against it. So to hear her go on social media with this like big angry speech, like no, now is the time to fight. Now is the time. it's like where were you two weeks ago when Jimmy Dore and the rest of the like consistent left-wing pundits were arguing for this and you were on Twitter going like, nah, now's not the right time actually. Like we have to be more strategic because it would never pass. And it's like, you're just full of shit, man. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah, convinced yeah. that every single person in DC is full of shit. And it's so sad to see it like that, man. It's, yeah. <laughs> there, there are some big problems with the, this is also a longer discussion for a number of time, but What's more concerning is the idea that everything is going to go back to normal. Yeah. Right? Trump's gone. And now, you know, you've got two Democrats elected for the Senate in Georgia. You know, this is the time that everything will change. And I don't think it will. I think Americans will still stay angry. And these solutions are far from being administered, you know? And I don't know, man. I uh, We'll just have to see. Time will tell. But I, if everyone's telling you, if you're listening to anyone, and they just keep telling you, you know, this time it's different or, you know, this politician is saying, advocating for change. You know, we just had a last candidate that became president that was completely rallying on radical, insane change. And still nothing much came of it besides a more polarized country. Yeah. Along, along with President Obama, President Obama was a much better character, arguably, than Donald Trump. I, I don't think there's a discussion on that, that he yeah. was more... You know, he was just a better guy. Yeah, but he, he left the office more polarized than he found it. Exactly. Trump, and Trump's he advocated for change as well. You and know? I, I don't yeah. think that... Uh, it's not them individually, by the way. It's just the general. Yeah. Like you have to be skeptical of this stuff because it keep the same message, yet it stays the same. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's the. You can. I don't know if yeah. you can hear that, guys. Turn up a bit. So our sponsors, ad hoc, <laughs> telling us. 
to fuck off. Yeah. And on that bombshell, we'll end the episode. Definitely, I think uh, America is probably going to get worse under Biden. And that's just the way it is. That's just the way it's it is. Just, that's just it's the not way his fault necessarily. <laughs> Things yeah. will never be the same. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. Uh, yeah, but Bernie would have made it better. But, you know, Bernie. Yeah, sure. Bernie's a socialist. And, you know, that's a bad word. And, uh, catch you guys later. This has been episode 23 of Doncast. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time.